to the hand got me up. I didn't want to sing, but I did. The anyway, the, the, did we, you, we, did, I bet you did. You did Springsteen, didn't we? You? No, no, no. It was uh, Killers. Killers. We have Killers we, track. We've got distracted. I laid down. How was New York? Excellent. I mean, it's obviously a bit of a hidden gem. Yeah, an, under, yeah. an understated <laughs> Where place. Where is it? You're, you're so hipster picking it's, New York. It's on the east coast of, of the northern part of America. Of America. Yeah. Okay, okay. And New York. Nice. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, there's, there's a lot to recommend it. Okay. Is it better than the old York? I don't know. I, I quite like the old York. Has it got York. a Yorvik writing center? <laughs> it has. It I has a New Yorvik writing center. I think you would struggle to find any evidence of the Vikings in the, New York. The Vikings famously did make it to America. Did they? They did. Well, they just didn't leave they any stopped evidence. off at York, then they, they, were, they went were, across to the New York. They were more careful in New York than they were in Old York. Yes, in, that's true. In yeah. terms of leaving stuff lying around. Much less pillaging. I mean, I think the thing with New York is that the people there need to be a little bit more confident yeah. about what the city has to offer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There is some impressive landmarks. They've got a statue. Have okay. they? Oh, everybody's yeah. got a statue. Uh, yeah, they, they've sort of placed theirs off land a little all bit. Right. So well, it's all that accessible. So they, they can't be that yeah. proud of it. Yeah. And they've got, some, they've got some tall buildings and an impressive square. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they could maybe they could make those sorts of landmarks available for say television or film yeah, that purposes oh, and then yeah, it would bring yeah, it to a wider attention. So yeah. if there's any like uh, production managers out there listening, you know people who scout Lo- locations, yeah, location managers, yeah, yeah, um, they could perhaps think if they want. What, how would you describe it? A sort of built-up, busy area. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Urban, vibrant, Urban, right. yeah. So set, basically yeah. set what you're doing right now. And, and apparently, you know, it's, it's quite busy throughout the day, sort of like a 24-hour spell in which, you okay. know, there's quite a lot going on. So, yeah. Uh, what was your favourite bit? Uh, well, we went to Madison Square Garden to see the ice hockey. That was uh, which Hector I thinks think is brilliant. Hector is furious about that. Uh, that was good, and we uh, yeah, and we had a, a, a trip. We had a wonderful night on Broadway. Uh, went to the top of the Rockefeller, which I'd not done before, which I highly recommend because you can actually get the Empire State Building in the background mm-hmm. rather than being at the top mm-hmm. of the Empire State mm-hmm. Building and not being able to actually see the Empire State Building. Okay, it's got and, it's, uh, it's yeah. got a bit it's got a bit serious now. Is that too serious for you? <laughs> yeah. No, it was yeah, it was fantastic. Thank now you. You're being I missed you all terribly, and I'm sorry for my absence last week, but it was for a very who, who was the ice hockey is it a match in ice hockey is it a match I think you have a game don't yeah, you? it's a game who, who's, yeah. who plays you don't really have a match anywhere in American sports it's kind of you talk about match ups um, but you don't talk about a match it's a game it's a game so who, who plays we saw the New York Rangers against the Washington Capitals Good. Was it good? It was, yeah. Could you the give me a... Is it, Im- imagine uh-huh. you were on a BBC Radio 5 Live and we were asking for a 25-second update. What would you uh, What would you tell us? Well, predictably, the Capitals, who are one of the favourites for the Stanley Cup this season, <gasps> were the stronger of the two teams. They took a 4-0 lead in the first period. 4-0. And uh, four, actually, nil, four I can't say nil. 4 nothing, nothing lead in the first period. The Rangers are, are, are rebuilding. They're looking ahead to the future. So you mean they're A little bit inexperienced. Yeah. yeah, they they weren't really at the races that night. And uh, they clawed their way back into the contest, made it respectable. But but that was more than 25 seconds, and I understand no. how boring I am when I talk but, about NFL. But the important thing is, with ice hockey, did the gloves come off and they do that windmill fighting a lot? I really like that. There wasn't enough hockey. riding There wasn't enough riding on the contest for some proper oh. aggro. What about splattering up against the... Oh, yeah, there was the, plenty of splattering up against the glass. That's it. I like yeah. that. That's the main reasons I like ice hockey, I the have, fighting and the splattering. I've come back into this conversation having gone to answer the door. It was the postman uh, to hear splattering up against the glass, and I've got no idea what the context is. Ice hockey. Ah, uh, I thought it might be something I was going to say, you can join pretty much 95% of the people listening. The, post, right. the postman <laughs> looks an awful lot like your wife. <laughs> no, so my wife came downstairs oh, right. as the postman left. 
to open a, a package a package that had arrived for Sorry, her. You just said that the postman was here and then your wife appeared with a parcel. Yeah. So do, that was do you usually is, let the postman in? She is moonlighting <laughs> as a postman. The postman came downstairs and then left. Yeah, the postman's been putting the baby down. <laughs> that is exactly ah. the opposite of what the postman should be doing. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. The food is going to be enjoyed a little bit later on because it is sticky. It is sticky because it is post-Easter. We are post-Lent and so therefore I've brought round to Rory's house via the postman. He wasn't delivering the cake. No. We have cake. We have four different kinds of cake. What types of cake? Uh, there is a chocolate cake, a sticky toffee cake, a carrot cake, and a red velvet cake, oh. which are all quarterized, yeah, not quarterized, that's very different, and put into a nice little display thing, which I got for £2 off because actually the sell-by date was yesterday. In essence, it isn't four cakes, is it? It's one it's, cake it's cut four, into four it, pieces. It's like if you are playing Trivial Pursuit, you've got four yeah. of your wedges. Yeah, but it's not four cakes, is it? Well, he might have bought four cakes, he's just eaten an awful yes. lot of yeah. four yeah. cakes. I, I, bought, bought, yeah. I have questions. Uh, one, did you buy four cakes and eat three quarters of each cake and then you brought us the remains? Question answered, no. Oh, so it's, an, it's, it's a selection box It is a cakes. selection box of cake. That's an interesting concept. Because you don't necessarily know who's going to enjoy what kind of cake. Been, how long have you been living in a cave for? They've been doing this for ages. <laughs> have they? It's to give oh, you... Oh, in Cheshire they have, yeah. It's, yeah, with lots of... Not just cakes, they do it with different things as well to give you different flavours. Um, so maybe you just don't want a Victoria sponge. You maybe want a lemon oh. drizzle cake as well. Oh, so they quarter it up and okay. you can have whatever you We've fancy. got neither Victoria sponge or lemon no, drizzle. Well, we're, we're, oh. over, we're overlooking the crucial factor in the cake here. Why is it not on the table? Um, because, particularly with you, Steve, I know what you're like when we're trying to talk. We will come to you for some absolute pearl of wisdom, and this will happen. <laughs> also, Steve, it's five minutes past ten. <laughs> it feels a little it's strange. too early for cake. Okay. Is that all right with you? Yeah, I have been up a long time. Can you wait it's, until it, it 11 o'clock? It's my youngest's birthday today. So Happy birthday, up. George. Yep, so yeah. Four years old today. It Aww. already feels like well after lunchtime, so what I'm ready for cake. What's he had for his birthday? Cake. What's he had so far? Four different types. <laughs> so, well, there's been some Lego. Okay. There's been Lego. There's Star Wars been, Lego. Yeah, Star, yeah. Wars. Star Wars Lego. Lego. There's been uh, an Obi-Wan Kenobi dressing up costume. Mm-hmm. There's been a massive crane Outfit which he's been building. It's better than Princess Leia, though, isn't it? That would be worrying. <laughs> it's a costume for kids. Did, did you and Katie, with both Rory and George, did you start with the, with the presents at birthday time, the birthday presents, did you start low? So we've been thinking for Ed... That when he's one, he won't have a clue it's his birthday, no. so we're not going to buy him anything. He, he Just buy yourself he, something. He won't know you've been mean-spirited. At two, <laughs> we might get him a little things, but that are quite rubbish. So that, And then at three, slightly less rubbish. Four, a bit less rubbish, but still quite rubbish. And then five, six. It gets, so it gets progressively better, but his expectations, crucially, remain very low. Yeah, that's quite a good tactic, because Rory's always been very good at opening a present, being grateful, thanking the person it's from, and playing with it for the you know required is, amount of time. This is little Rory, not me. Uh, yes. <laughs> Although I think that holds true for you as well. <laughs> Sometimes. Whereas George rips open a present, looks at it, grins, and then wants the next, per- next right. present. That's so, more like me. Yeah. Yeah. What you should do with really little children, to take them to Harrods, sit them amongst no. all the toys, take a photograph of them, and then when they grow up, they won't remember it. Just say, these are all the presents you got what you want, and they'll think it's great, but check you never bought anything for them. Check out this brilliant, this brilliant miniature Ferrari we got you. <laughs> and, and often the problem is not the expectation of the child, but the expectation based on what other children around him are getting. 
Yes, and that's so true. You need to ch- make sure that all the other parents that you know are also miserly. Other children are the worst. Joining me, Hugh Ferris, on Set Piece Menu are three people, two of whom are now going to get a gift from the third. So, Rory Smith and Andy Hinchcliffe, it is your great pleasure to receive an offering from Steve Wyatt. Oh, amazing. Who has done that thing of bringing home something for the office. That well, we can all no, enjoy. You, you, I didn't, want, I didn't well, need anything. Well, well, well you know no, what? hang on a minute. Let Steve take control. Do you know what? Oh, wow. Rory gave me a long list of things. Yeah, that's perfect. From the NHL store in New York, and I went to the NHL store in New York on the same day as I went to the Museum of Modern Art. Two great cultural institutions. Uh, which of those two places do you think I spend the more, most amount of time in? <laughs> I would hope the NHL store. So, well, only because you're benefiting. But also because Modern Art is rubbish. <laughs> okay. So, although Rory gave me a list, I thought it was not fair that only he enjoyed the retro brilliance. Well, hang on, I'm paying for what you bought. Yes. And by the way, if there's any gifts for anybody else, we are not paying. <laughs> Maybe. You were paying for some of it. No, I'm paying for it. But the first thing I have for you is a oh. gift from me oh. to you. Oh, that's ridiculous. Look. Oh, right. that's very kind. That Stephen, is, you need to do your best uh, descriptive that is a hours. Re- your match that is a level. retro CCM blue Colorado Avalanche that's T-shirt. Nice. I like that a lot. Congratulations. Nice. Thank you very much. Congratulations. You're the winner of that T-shirt. Where with oh. pride. But I'm paying for it. Now, whilst I was there, I recalled the story of <laughs> the most... This bit might be edited, by the, the way. Most, we might do a little pricey at the, the end. The most crushing <laughs> moment in Chinch's life. I know you've had a, many a setback, yes. but I know the loss of your red NHL t-shirt oh. your car was broken oh, into yeah. Terrible. Yes. was, was yes. one of the hardest there things you've ever had to overcome. So, oh, there my is word. a replacement oh, Detroit oh, Red Stephen. CCM t-shirt for Oh, you, I'm changing my will. You are a wonderful man. That's amazing. Isn't that beautiful? Is that the same t-shirt that you lost? No, it's not. I can't remember what the. I can't remember which one I had. I yeah, yeah, it isn't. No, but it's better. It's better. This is quite better. Right. Quite Careful. Right. I, I, I hope a large is is good enough for you to show off your muscles, Chinch. I, I will. I I'll, I'll wash. I'll do it in a hot wash and drink it. And because Hugh doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> because Hugh doesn't like or understand ice hockey. I don't. I thought I would go. I can't even see the puck. I would me. go particularly hipster for Hugh. And what there you mean? go. That is. A Hartford Whalers T-shirt, wow. a now defunct, defunct yes. NHL <laughs> franchise. So there you go. Congratulations, I'm Steve. You are, my whole you are so tremendous. Wow. This is amazing, Stephen. Stephen thank you very much. Uh, we, there, um, are, there are the other T-shirts you ordered, but those oh, aren't presents. You will oh, be paying me. For we those. will. We will take a photo of all of these oh, Steve, and put it on the set piece menu. Do you feel like it's Christmas morning? I, because we feel like it's Christmas morning. This is the morning. best day ever, Steve. I love you dearly. <laughs> all those people who are listening and don't get anything, we apologise, but we also don't really care. Uh, if you like to get in touch with any complaints at setpiecemenu and setpiecemenu at gmail.com is where you can find us thanks for all your messages and emails including this from our friend Jan Wolf <gasps> remember Jan from last I week I do, do yeah. you weren't yeah, I know here I, had, but, uh, I did listen you heard did so we work out whether it's a man or a woman well they have not they have oh. not given us that much information oh, because okay. as we know Jan is particularly uh, impressed by brevity um, so Jan was not very happy about us using cricket vernacular which we did once. Um, well, Jan has furthered the conversation after we responded to their concerns last week. The subject line of the email, more very angry cricket language complaints. <laughs> and the body I of like email, slightly longer, it's almost verbose from Jan. I'm pretty sure you had talked about cricket before the VAR episode, as I had already looked up umpire in the dictionary, and my other sports podcasts don't use big trisyllabic words like that. Couple of points, Jan. Umpire, two syllables. Trisyllabic, four syllables. So you've extended our uh, boundaries much further than we could have ever imagined anyway. Uh, thanks, Jan. If you've got anything else to say, don't hesitate to get I in touch. W- I don't want us to be having a feud with Jan. I don't, I don't want to have a feud with Jan. Part of me, and I might be getting this completely wrong, 
part of me thinks that it isn't a feud. Uh, we, we should have a feud with at least one listener, shouldn't we? We I should really fall out with... But this is a strange thing to fall out I over. don't know if our audience is big enough to start alienating people. <laughs> oh, OK. Take one off. It's down to 12. <laughs> uh, Aaron Bremner gets in touch from where else but New York in response to our episode about anyone nerves last week. Which, anyone been to New York? Anyone been to New York? I is your pen name Aaron Bremner? I don't think it's big enough really to draw a huge no. number of tourists. <laughs> no. No. Aaron, who lives alongside New Yorkers and only New Yorkers in New York City. Um, a lot of people got in touch about nerves. We thank you for them. Um, really enjoyed the pot on nerves, says Aaron. No offence to Chinch, which means that there will be offence yeah, to Chinch. Offensive. But I wonder if what separates the greatest players from the rest is their lack of nerves, their confidence, their overwhelming belief that they will succeed even when they have not yet. Do Ronaldo and Messi play with fear? Does Mo Salah? Did Maradona? Chinch did say that his nerves held him back from being a better player. In the US, the success of Michael Jordan, Larry Bird and Tom Brady is attributed not just to their skill and work ethic, but to their competitiveness and their confidence, their will to win, which left no place for nerves. Larry Bird, for example, was surprised when he missed a shot. He is a purveyor of the basketball, Chinch. Mm. Um, that's why they are considered the goats, or greatest of all time, of their sports. Could it be the same in football? Why do you keep explaining it? I know what you're talking about. Why do you keep looking at me? Been explaining everything you're saying. Not necessarily just for you, Chinch. But um, I love Harry Bird, the basketball player. I love him. Aaron's point is, mm. is because you weren't very good. Uh, I would have been better. Right. And it's the person that I am. Yes, all these great names that he's mentioned there. Absolutely. And that's wonderful for them. Great ability and a great belief. But 90% of sportsmen, I'm not sure, are actually built that way. And that's what separates them. I think that's the top 10%. I suspect that's probably fair. I think it's a bit unfair to judge Chinch's basketball talent on... Yeah, oh, no, I am rubbish. I am rubbish at basketball, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's maybe his point. Mm. Um, the VAR debate continues, both um, on email and on Twitter. And thank you very much for all those little messages you send when something happens in the news, which relates to VAR. Uh, for example, England against Italy uh, and the penalty that was given Not a um, against Italy. Were we satisfied that VAR was followed correctly, whether you think it was a penalty or not? Because the whole point was is that it came down to the referee reviewing an incident that he had subjectively then decided was a penalty. Well, it, everything was followed, but I still think they got the wrong, to the wrong decision. But do you believe that the whole, the whole point of VAR is to give the referee another chance to yes, decide yes. if he thought yeah, it was a penalty? Yeah, he still get it wrong. He can still be believes yes, what he believes. But that's fine, but that's nothing but, to do with VAR. No, 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 it isn't. The, the, the process has been followed. I still don't. I think they made the wrong decision, even though he, he did the right thing in reviewing it. Got it wrong. Rory, satisfied with the process at least being followed? I have not seen it. Was it Germany, Brazil? Don't care. Don't care. At setpiece menu and setpiece menu at gmail.com. I didn't ask Steve because he was in New York. Yeah, I didn't Has see it. Has he mentioned but, that? But I can assume from having followed the discussion on Twitter that effectively it was a misuse of the system rather than VAR being at to, to be to blame for that decision being incorrect. Um, we also have a couple of thank yous to say, apart from all, all those who have got in touch via Twitter to say nice things. Hopefully you've received individual gratitude via a response uh, at Seppi's Menu. Uh, we'd also like to say thank you to Robbie Savage, who tweeted Rory to say good luck with his new pod yep. on episode 69. No, I, I, kind of, <laughs> I kind of invited that because... I, I know you did. I, w I was going to gloss over that because I was it was very, very humorous. I was very proud of the Nerves episode. I thought it was a really good subjects and I thought Chinch spoke extraordinarily well uh, surprisingly some might say and I bearing in mind his nerves but I don't I'm, but by the way I, I'm, I'm not at all upset 
by the fact that you waited until the first one that I missed to be proud of. No, I've been proud of others before, but, but this is the thing. So Just so not in the same way, Steve. <laughs> kind of a Steve-less way. <laughs> I, I find it really hard on Twitter. We, on, on, on Twitter, your, your tone always has to be, read this, it's great, I've written this, isn't it fantastic? But I find that doesn't naturally come very easily to me. So I wanted to say, look, you, to people, you should listen to this, it's really good, without sounding like I was being horribly conceited. Uh, and so the way I chose to do that was to say, not to come over all Fred Sav, Fred Sav Syed, which is not a reflection on that podcast. I'm sure lots of people listen to that as well. I'm not sure why, but I'm sure <laughs> lots of people do uh, and enjoy it. And it's personal taste and it's not for me to define what, what's good and what's bad or whatever. But I kind of object to the way that Fred Sav and Syed promote the podcast. Not not just as it's got the entire weight of the BBC behind it, so it slightly has an advantage, but the, <laughs> the the tone of it is always very much like, this is an amazing episode, you should listen, it's brilliant. And then it always end, ends with someone, all of the promotional tweets are like, fantastic pod this week. Flintoff talked really well about, about geese. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Matthew on great form and, and Sav gets hammered. And that's literally what it is every week. And so I just did a little pastiche of that. And then there's lots of emojis, and they're all too old to be using lots of emojis. Uh, a little pastiche of that. And I, I actually worried that Matthew Syed, who's a former colleague, would be, would be upset by it. I don't, I don't like upsetting people. Uh, but it was Sav, who I'd, sort of, I'd forgotten Sav follows me on Twitter. And I know Sav a little bit. Uh, and like him. It was Sav who... Does he's quite sensitive, is Robbie Savage. Mm, he is. He, yeah. he doesn't yeah. like being kind of uh, criticised. So Sav picked up on this and then started bantering me in inverted commas by saying, oh, you know, maybe if you promoted your your podcast more, it would be number one in the charts like ours is every week. Maybe if we were produced by the BBC and advertised constantly on the BBC, <laughs> then, uh, then we'd have more of a chance, Robbie. Uh, the, but then he sent, me a, he sent me a message saying, um, and I sort of said it was just a little, a little dig about, um, I, I sort of said, no malice, malice men, just a little dig about the, about the use of emojis. Uh, and he sent me a message saying, um, uh, why, don't worry, mate, it's just banter, but there's no reason to have a dig. And I was like, well, they're the same thing, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the same thing. Anyway. Have so you ever bantered with anybody, Robbie Savage, which wasn't having a dig? That would be my question. The, thing, the other thing about Sav, and I, again, this is said with, with a reasonable degree of affection. I think, I think, I think we all like him. Yeah, he's we a, all like he is him. A, he, I know he's a, he's a bit Marmite, but he is, he's, he's a fundamentally nice bloke. Yes, yes. But the thing about Robbie is that it's just constant banter, and it's really, I'm not cut out for that. I'm not cut out to banter. It, leaving aside a massive lack of natural talent, the reason I couldn't have been a footballer, I can't deal with the constant banter. Mm. It, it exhausts me. So well done to Robbie for being able to survive it. Uh, that message was brought to you in association <laughs> with 83 cry laugh emojis. Um, so thank you to, to Mr. Robbie Savage and also uh, to Stephen, my BBC colleague Jade, who is a recent convert. She was particularly interested to learn of the kitchen troubles in Portugal that Danny Higginbottom was having. <laughs> Danny Higginbottom! <laughs> Oh, so nice to see Chinchy really cutting through. Uh, so on to today's subject. Uh, something extraordinary happened in our WhatsApp group last week. Not only did Chinch offer something of tangible value, it was of tangible value yeah. to other people and also this very podcast. Yes, we have our first Hinchcliffe-proposed subject on set-piece menu. So here it is, verbatim from the message on our WhatsApp group. With Ronaldo... No, sorry, let me get that right. This is verbatim. With Ronaldo and Messi's careers <laughs> starting to come to a close, are we seeing the end of the influence of the superstar individuals? One question mark. Usually, Chinch, I must admit, does do two or three. Will the team... 
in inverted commas, ethic be the template for future successful teams? Chinch, you have excelled yourself for a second week in a row, I must say. <laughs> so why don't I leave it to you to flesh out the team over talent future that Ooh. the game How many pods? Have. Is this pod number seven, seven, 70? Seven. And this is 70. the first time Thanks, I've offered... Chinch. This is yeah, but I'm in I'm in the company of footballing lumen. You know stuff. I can't come up with content. I thought you said before I you come up came with a hot here. banter, don't I? Do Great stories. Hashtag bans. Hashtag bans. <laughs> so it, it's not my job, is it? More, I don't see that as my role. More impressive than the fact that Chinch took Chinch 70 episodes to come up with a subject to the fact that it took him about 65 to start reading the bloody messages on the group. <laughs> it happens too fast. I can't Although, keep up. I'm nearly 50. At least Chinch doesn't put any cry laugh emojis on That's any true. of yeah. his messages. I don't so, emojis. Anyway, let's get back so to the this, point. So this guy, Rinaldi, first of all, who is he? Are you sure I did? No, and I'm very careful with my grammar. And why did he prompt this, this um, thought in your head? It's something that's been on my mind for some time. And I've been thinking about it, you know, ruminating. And I was just wondering, is it because these two players are so exceptionally brilliant and they are so unusual, which clearly they are, and the effect that they have on the teams that they played for and the success that those teams have had? Is this has this happened in the past regularly, or is this something that we expect to see in the future? Or are these two players anomalies? And we've always had great teams that have been successful, and Ronaldo, and Messi, Ronaldo, and Messi popping up have have been the difference because because of who they are. And I just think with the way Pep Guardiola set Man City up, the success seemingly they're going to have this season and beyond. It seems very much that family, that team ethic. We all win together. We don't need. We actually move away from the individual superstar. We're actually about the team being successful and relying on everybody to make us successful. But that's what I just wondered because they're so unusual, uh, Ronaldo and Messi. I think Ronaldo and Messo, they have they've been so unusual and they've been stunning. And, and you see Ronaldo's couple of goals against Juventus recently as well. He's still, he's still doing it, isn't he? So there's years left in those two players. But when they've gone, what do those two sides do? What is football going to do? Are they always looking for that individual who can seemingly, like Maradona at Napoli, win things for that team on their own? Are we going to see the, the death of the of the superstar individual? There are two things to, to think about here, at least initially, and that, that is their contribution to the team, but also the, the cult of personality that surrounds them and the effect that that has mm. on their team as well. Because you mentioned Pep Guardiola. He would no doubt appreciate the talents of Ronaldo and Messi in his team, but would he want that cult of personality would, to come yes. in and upset the ethic that he's trying to create? Rory, Just as an example. Rory and Steve are the doyens of European football. Would Pep Guardiola want Ronaldo at the peak of his powers in his team? Yes. He would, he would have him in his team yeah. today? Uh, yeah, I would have thought so even today. I mean, Ronaldo, this isn't getting into... Has anyone ever asked which, you know, which one of those two is better, Ronaldo and Messi? It feels like we're, something we should discuss more. Yeah. The, let's let's just play for a better team. Let's, let's a better park team that structure. to one side. That helps the, him for 20 years. It's been harder for Ronaldo as he had to be more individually brilliant for Real Madrid than Messi's had to be for Barcelona. I don't know. I think... I, I'm, so I, I would say that football has always been a... All, in fact, right back to the start, probably has always been a ten, there's always been a tension between the talented, the super talented indiv individual, and and the, the structure of the team, and you can't really separate them entirely because Messi is clearly brilliant. I I was I I err slightly more to the side of Messi than Ronaldo, but would put both of them in the top seven players of all time. Uh, and just let's all be careful about which cul-de-sac we yeah. we are heading down in this conversation. The, the first thing I would say is I don't think either of them can function or could function as well as they do without a team structure around them that enables them to shine. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that's really important. So Messi, you look at Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, and then in sort of later years, Neymar and Suarez around him, just just Suarez now obviously, but Iniesta's still there. That 
he's clearly a superb, wonderful, once-in-a-generation footballer, but he needs those players there to to be at his best. And you notice when they're not, when Iniesta's not there and Messi's not quite as good. He's, he doesn't receive, not that he's not quite as good, he's still as good at football, but he doesn't receive the ball in the same spaces in the same way, all that stuff. Same with, with Ronaldo. Real's setup is a little bit more chaotic. It's not quite as smooth, but this, this team has been built to enable Ronaldo to shine. So you can't entirely unpack this, the individual from the team context is the first thing I'd say. But I think what Hugh says about the kind of the cult of personality, I think that is what's really significant about both of them to me, that they have, and it's partly because of the time that they've emerged and the way that we consume football and the way that football is spread around the world. They have emerged as bigger than their clubs. Ronaldo and Messi are bigger than Real, Real and Barca, which is which are the which are the two biggest clubs in the world. They are deservedly so, would you say? Which is to say also that they would not be nearly as good without that one player. So even though the team is set up for them, yeah. without them yeah. they wouldn't necessarily be yeah, able to make it's, amends it's, by it's, having a different style or or, or way it's of that playing. player that makes them transcendental and both will have a, both will have a headache after they leave because that's what happens. There's a there's a yin and a yang in football. You see it every single time that a team comes along with one, two, three astonishing individuals. They win everything. You think, well, this team's going to win everything forever. The individuals retire or whatever or leave and the team can't replace not just the ability but the presence and the charisma of the player. So there there will be a problem in replacing both of them without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I think they have had an effect on that battle between, that tension between the collective and the individual that has always been in football. But I think it goes the other way. I think they are the start of a generation not the end of it, ah. where the indiv- players particularly prioritise the individual as much more, more than they have in the past, perhaps more than the collective. Although it is interesting that most of the coaches that we think of as being really... Um, I've been talking for a long time. Most of the coaches... It's that all been th- good, though. Yeah, mm. and I'm ready to interrupt at a, any moment. Most of the coaches that we think of as being really progressive are collectivist coaches. So Guardiola, Pochettino, Klopp, Allegri, they are all coaches that would... would one would obviously want either of those players in their team, but what comes first is the team. Yes. It feels like we're moving even more towards, with the pace and the physicality of the game, that the structure of the team will become increasingly important. And obviously, clubs now coach their players, don't they, to be able to, from even from quite a young age, to be able to fit into the, the system, yeah. the ethos of that team, you know, so that if, if your right back suffers a serious injury, that potentially there's a, a ready-made replacement to slot in in their place so that that team ethic thing will probably only become stronger but they'll, they'll always surely there'll always be a place for the outstanding super talented player to elevate that team even further it just feels like there's a there'll be a limited number of environments in which those sort of players can flourish probably Barcelona Real Madrid which Bayern, players, which, which players are you talking about you think here Pogba Neymar. Neymar, how many? How many are we looking at? The kind of there's the pretenders. Then, if we are, if it's still going to happen, there'd be what maybe twenty potential challenges, really, at various levels. So, but, okay, well, let's let's do this as a, a very quick sidebar because I was going to do it at the end, but the conversation's going this way. So, very quickly, of the current players that are not playing at Real Madrid or Barcelona, who would you, if they were to suddenly disappear, who would you put in to replace Ronaldo? Who would you put in to replace Messi? Bearing in mind the way of the team isn't going to change, you're just going to identicate replacement of the next generation of player. Well, we need Cause to Because it might well be that we can't find one, which proves Chinch's point to a certain degree. Well, to use the Neymar example, he was, he's only, he was only a year older than Ronaldo was when he joined Real Madrid, when Neymar went to PSG. So we've got to give him the, that opportunity mm. to flourish. And 
in, in his first 47 Champions League games, Neymar scored 27 goals. Ronaldo only scored 12. So it does feel as though there is a player prepared and ready to step up to take the mantle. We don't know whether he will manage to achieve in, in the next 10 years what Ronaldo has done since he joined Real Madrid. But it, it certainly doesn't feel like Ronaldo and Messi at the end because it already looks as though there is a player capable of, of doing something similar if, if, he's, if he's got the right mentality and, and the longevity. I'm not sure you can name an, an individual and say, without changing the, the structure of either team, He's he's the one to to slot in for Messi. I don't think because Barcelona a, won't change the way that they play. They play four three three. That's the they, Barcelona they won't, way. They won't ch- so well, they, they whoever not, they sign would have to play. They're kind of playing that. a weird four four two at the moment, but they won't change the basic style. The, the formation might change, but the basic style will be the same. But they will have to change the fo- when Messi retires. Say Messi stepped away from football. It's just at the end. Of, say Argentina win the World Cup and Messi goes right. That's it. I'm done. I'm not bothered anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Barca would would not change the style they wouldn't suddenly appoint Tony Pulis and start going long but <laughs> which is they, a thought isn't it it's interesting yeah oh, he's, he's tied up at Middlesbrough yeah. I mean well. they'd ask and he'd say oh, it's hard to but unless you're in the bottom seven yeah. I'm not interested I think Paul Jules out of work so <laughs> maybe, maybe that's, that's an option, that's yeah. an option but the, they would they would have to they'd have to recalibrate the focus of the team if yes. there's no Messi you would have to you'd have to rebalance it you couldn't replace him you probably couldn't even replace the aggregate of him his his measurable impact on the team so you'd have to go and say right we're going to sign two or three players we're going to kind of just rejig how this team works I think we're at the start of quite an interesting era and this is why this to me was such a great subject it is a great subject isn't it because it so is. I, I whose idea was it I'm not uh, sure. who's, the, who's the handsomest uh, well. Chinch <laughs> the, so at the start I went to both legs of PSG Real Madrid in the last 16 and what was Jonathan Wilson annoyingly wrote a much better piece than I did from either leg. He didn't even go to the games, right? Much better piece than me. Uh, which what have you learned from that? Stop. Kate, did you hear that? <laughs> stop putting me stop putting me out of work, Wilson. I, I, I hope you didn't submit your expenses. I didn't. No, I didn't. I paid for my own flight and... Uh, Quite right. Out of shame. L- lacerated myself for my for embarrassment. But the he made the point that it looked like a new form of football in that they were two incredibly gifted, incredibly expensively assembled teams not playing very well mm. because they had been structured entirely for these brilliant individuals, Ronaldo in one case and Neymar in the other. And the point I don't think he made, but that struck me, is that I think there is now a difference between the absolute super elite teams, the PSG, all the teams that pretend to be there, so PSG, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich to an extent, and the teams at the tier below who are trying to conquer them. And I think this, is, this, this will be the defining battle of football in the next five, ten years. Those Galactico clubs and you maybe throw United in as well, will have incredible individuals. They'll have incredible players because that's where the branding is. There's huge amounts of fan loyalty. The reason I say Ronaldo and Messi are bigger than Real and Barca is because they have much... If Ronaldo moved to PSG, he would take fans with him from Real Madrid. Real yes. Madrid would still yeah. be a bigger club, but Ronaldo would People take, follow the player a lot more than yeah, they do the club. That, and that especially... Makes them, it's what makes them so valuable yeah. to, to, to clubs. It's not just what they do on the pitch. It's the, well, the, the, the commerciality of it. Makes Neymar 200 yeah. million quid. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I remember in... Tokyo with my lovely wife on our, on our honeymoon uh, we saw a did you hear that Kate? She, she did but she doesn't think, she doesn't think I mean it the, um, the, we saw just, when she's not in the room it just refers to Tokyo <laughs> yeah. went to Tokyo I can't remember who yeah. it was it was someone I know uh, which is a friend the, um, the we saw an advert for Ronaldo advertising a smile muscle machine so it's a thing you put in your mouth and right. smile and it makes your mouth more muscular 
This from a gentleman who <laughs> rarely smiles. You're going to turn into the Joker, aren't you, for basically, Batman, yeah. basically, yes. So Cristiano Ronaldo is also, obviously, we know from his Twitter, is a great enthusiast for Egyptian steel. <laughs> he, they have this... this, this well, it takes you back to Lost in Translation. The, the, whole, the whole purpose of that movie was Bill Murray is exactly, using yeah, yeah. his personality, or his character's personality, to go out and sell whatever... whatever was it whiskey? Was it whiskey in Lost in Translation? There's a great picture remember. of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo on Praia de Rocha in Portugal. His physique is incredible, but his undercrackers are just magnificent. There you go. A full body picture of him just, just with undercrackers on. That actually Wonderful. is little known fact. That's actually Ronaldo's head that chinched his body. The, anyway, <laughs> and, that is, and, and, and undercrackers is the Portuguese word for underwear. It os, is, yeah. os undercrackers. <laughs> undercrackers. The, the, um, <laughs> no, so they have this value. You will have those those super elite clubs that sign the big name players be, partly because, not just they're brilliant at football, but partly because of their brand value themselves. PSG, Man United, Real Madrid to an extent. And then beneath that, whether that's uh, Juventus or by, oh, possibly by or Dortmund or Atletico or whoever, or Liverpool or, or Arsenal or... Chelsea or Tottenham, you will have teams that are more reliant on the coach and that they are they are collectives rather than collections of individuals. And you will have this tension between clever systems, teams that have to think their way through problems because they don't have the very, very best players, and this, this cadre of four or five maybe clubs with incredibly gifted individuals. And I think that will be the defining tension of football for the next five or ten years. It says you, you describe them as chaotic teams. So teams like United, Real Madrid, PSG, because they're actually built to have those individuals. They want those individuals yep. in their setups to be successful. I don't mean chaotic as a criticism. No, no, but it's the, there's not the structure that teams, as you mentioned, below teams like that, the, the way that they play. The, at those clubs, the individual comes... The individual is more important than the system. Yeah. The system is, is set up to maximise the individual rather than at other teams. They are in service to their stars. Right. They are not... The players are not in service to the system. system. Ah, yeah. interesting. interesting. Obviously, the other thing that the Neymar situation demonstrates, and again, comes back to, as Rory was explaining, there are a limited number of clubs in which a super talent can flourish, is that until Ronaldo and Messi move on, we might not know whether another great player is, is lying in wait. Because there's, there's only room for one in each team and there's a limited number of teams that can b develop a structure around to allow them to flourish so until they retire we won't really know whether Neymar has got that ability to, to move back perhaps and join Real Madrid and, and pick up where Ronaldo is, has left off and we won't know whether those clubs have got a young talent in development or a talent overseas that they're keeping an eye on that uh, over the course of the next five years they might be able to develop to follow on, we need to give young players time, don't we, to to develop, to, to to prove that worth. We put so much pressure on on emerging talent, so much hope. We look at Delhi Ali in terms of England. People talking about him being the best twenty-one-year-old in the world. Well, why don't we wait three or four years and find out whether Delhi Ali matures into one of the best players in the world? Why are we talking about? Why are we bringing age into it? Why not let him get to his peak? Um, Manchester City have obviously identified Gabriel Jesus as being a player who could potentially be their superstar to, to the extent where there was, there was a period earlier on in the season where Sergio Aguero, their greatest ever goal scorer, was suddenly seemed like he was surplus to requirements because they had this 21-year-old Brazilian that they were, were placing an awful lot of stock in for the next 10 years. But until he reaches his mid-20s, neither we or Manchester City will know whether he's going to fulfil the potential he's got. So whilst we're wondering whether those players are out there, we've also 
got to give them time to materialise once Ronaldo and Messi have moved on. But the problem is that whoever comes through, whether it's Podber or Neymar or Jesus or whoever, someone we, someone Sane or someone we've not seen yet, Ronaldo and Messi have changed what we think the very best players in the world do. That's their real... They have to score 50 goals a season yeah, which is, at the very least. Which has never happened before. That's, I mean, it's not, not since Ditsy Dean and... You know, a lot of those were offside. Or he headed the goalkeeper into the exactly. net as well as the ball. Exactly. Have they retrospectively put VAR on Dixie Dean's goals? But is it, is it harder for those teams if they plan to have a superstar individual in the future, if those superstars aren't available, is that maybe why we're going to see teams like Tottenham and Liverpool and City, Bayern Munich, be more successful because they rely on the team structure? Is that is there more longevity in thinking that way and playing that way than, than banking on having a superstar available to go into your team to, to win things for you? To be honest, Chinch, I would I would say yes. I'd say you need that you need a system and that if you if you put a system in place it can it can ride the wave much more easily than, than mm. just signing one player. Does obviously if the player not even leaves but just gets injured yeah. then you you're a bit messed up. Real Madrid have won three Champions Leagues in four yeah, yeah, years. Yeah. And but Real Madrid without Ronaldo at the beginning of the season, not only did it knock him off his stride after that five-match ban, he came back and he wasn't great for a while, and Real Madrid were already out of the title race in Spain by the time you got a third of the way through the season. So there is a reliance upon Ronaldo, even though that they surely have enough players of great quality to be able to make up for his absence in, for whatever reason. In the same way as like there was a point where... where all you had to say was Leicester. Oh, and by the way, Messi was also injured yeah, yeah. earlier on yeah, the season. Yeah. There was a point where, if you were talking about the unpredictability or, or otherwise of the Premier League, all you had to say was Leicester. And it, it negated everything because Leicester did something impossible and it trying to prove that anything can happen, what have you. The Real Madrid, Real Madrid trying to scramble my brain because everything I think about football, which is not necessarily qualified or intelligent, but is everything I think about football, is contradicted by Real. So Real institute this policy of buying up the best under-23 players in the world, people, not just Kovacic was one of the early ones, but Asensio and Danny Ceballos and people like that. And they do that and then it's, it starts going wrong. Mm. And then they go back to just playing, like, we'll shove these 11 brilliant players on the pitch and see what happens. And they start smashing PSG and Juventus. <laughs> with, with, with a manager who is, who's got who's, very little... But Zidane is, and, he's, and he's won the Champions League in every single season he's been Zidane, a boss. Zidane's not... Zidane isn't a good manager by by the standards of what we think a good manager is in in terms of he's not a Guardiola. He, he just regulates he's, essentially. He's just there to. <laughs> do you know what this is? And this is not. I, I suspect we don't have any sort of hardcore Madridista people listening. Just they are. We bad will find out quite work. quickly. <laughs> but like the, the best. This is, again, this is not an insult. But the best parallel as a manager for Zidane is Harry Redknapp. He's just he has a sense of what makes a good team. But there's no sort of there's no long-term philosophy. There's no kind of visionary idea of, of how I'm going to reinvent the game. And maybe look, maybe you don't need one. Maybe that's all nonsense. In, all in fact, maybe you need around. it less yeah. if your playing staff is constructed in the way that Real Madrid's is. But that's it. So Real Madrid's squad and manager and the whole way the club is just works for that context of Real Madrid. It wouldn't work if you did that at Tottenham. Tottenham would end up being what Tottenham used to be, which is sort of finishing tenth and rubbish. Is, is this why? Sorry, Steve. Is, is this why players like Coutinho? Um, has gone to Barcelona. He doesn't, even though he's a great individual player, he's he's someone that plays within a team structure as well. He doesn't really suit Real Madrid. So there's certain individuals that Real Madrid would look to sign, but Coutinho presumably wouldn't be one that would fit. The, and Jesus is another one. He's gone to Man City. Again, he can be a superstar individual, but it has to be within a team structure. So would he suit Jesus and Coutinho? Would they wouldn't suit Real Madrid because they're too much... They're individual, great individual players, but are very much team players as well. Is that not what Real Madrid really look for? I think Coutinho more than 
Jesus would probably fit in at Real Madrid. You know, he, he does have that ability to draw the spectacular goal and he can decide games on his own. Jesus is really interesting, though, because I wonder whether if Jesus had gone to a different club with a different manager, would Jesus have developed into less of a team player? Would he not? Would he be something else? Would he become more like a Neymar, more kind of eager to shine himself rather than willing to sacrifice himself for the team? That's it's the it's your your formative influences define who. And you, it's also with their, their agents or their involvement in terms of how they want to project these individuals as well. If they take advice and say, well, actually, if you, it's all about you. This is all about you and your career. Do you want to win things as part of a team? And not be lost, be, be appreciated, but win an awful lot, but within the team structure? Or do you want to be... Like, I always get to think Paul that, Pogba, that, it wants to be... Does, that, 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 does it matter to Pogba whether United are great or not? Does it matter well, to first him all, whether he's great or not? that argument is made by a team that isn't Real Madrid or Barcelona because they need to make it. Yeah. Real Madrid and Barcelona don't need to make that argument. They just say... It's like, like saying Leicester to end that Leicester to end that argument. You say, I'm Real Madrid, I'm Barcelona. That ends the argument about whether you want to win stuff or not. But the Pogba thing is interesting because we've spoken about Neymar. If Neymar and Pogba, just if you look at the amount of money that was spent on them, are the, the next generation of superstars. Mbappe as well. Mbappe, um, and to a certain extent, but he's a little bit older now, Gareth Bale. If you think about how much money has been spent on these players who are waiting in the wings to take over as the top two or three in the world. Pogba seems to have, and to a certain extent Neymar as well, suffered as a result of the fact that they've gone somewhere and yet want to be the man. Neymar's struggling because he wants to, you know, wants to engineer a move out of PSG and go go to Real Madrid. Pogba is struggling because he doesn't want to play the role that Jose Mourinho wants to play. So that's that's where the team versus talent thing is literally butting yeah. heads at Manchester United with Paul Pogba. So is it an issue with his motivation that he doesn't see himself being considered as important as he thinks he is? Or is it just a simply a tactical one? Or is it Mourinho trying to lay down some sort of boundary to say, hang on a minute, it won't be your cult of personality above the team. But this is where, as you described it, the, the team and the personality butting heads thing needs resolving from a from a managerial and from a club structure point of view because anyone who saw Paul Pogba playing regularly at Juventus saw him playing in the role in which he excelled, in which he was able to influence games, in which he was able to help Juventus win titles. If you're going to spend £90 million on that player, surely you need to play him in a role in which he can do something similar it seems for to your come a battle of wits that Mourinho wants to prove that he's in charge exactly but it's, it's nonsensical you don't you can't spend that volume of money and then ask the player to play in a role that doesn't suit mm-hmm. him and people are questioning Paul Pogba's ability and yes obviously he could be playing better he could be contributing more he's a potentially world class player who who should be able to adapt but all the time he's being asked to fulfil the role that, that Mourinho is is requiring of him we're never going to see whether he can fulfil his potential because that's not his best position in the same way as you wouldn't ask Messi to play left back but that's possibly because Mourinho is not a Zidane or an Ancelotti and what what increasingly it's his his own personality that's getting he's laying down the law and saying you will play where I tell you to play increasingly I think what what, and again to go back to to what I said about kind of that 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 contrast between the system the system teams and the individual teams that I wonder whether that type of coach, the, the Ancelotti, the Zidane, to an extent Allegri, the, the managers who are just happy to say, who are happy to say, you know, I'll, in, I'll keep everyone cheery, I'll indulge the superstars, we'll make sure we get the best out of everybody, I, I don't have any grand ideas of what a team should look like. I, they are probably the best suited for teams like yeah. Real and Man United and, and PSG. They're not, they're not Conte, they're not Guardiola, they're not Pochettino, these, these coaches with 
big ideas themselves who need to be the central character in their own drama. They are background players. And I, I wonder whether Mourinho's just slightly on the wrong side. The other thing with Podber that I think is really important, and this is another legacy of Ronaldo and Messi, is that from th- that generation of players' point of view, the Podbers, the Neymars, they see it now more as an individual sport. So both Podber and Neymar, and there are others, have said that their ultimate ambition is not to win the Champions League or to win the World Cup. It is to win the Ballon d'Or. And that's because Ronaldo and Messi have made the Ballon d'Or such a big thing that you mean you see how happy it makes Ronaldo. It felt every, it's, it feels every year as though there's this it's this great big defining 2016 Ballon to Ronaldo or mm. Messi or whatever. Yeah, but is it because of Ronaldo and Messi yes. going head to head? Yes. If, if and one cre- of them weren't there, would it be as important? No, it's because of the it's part, again it's partly because of the way football's gone in terms of the way we consume it so through whether that's through social media or video games or whatever it places great emphasis on the on the individual it's partly because it's much more worldwide so you now have I mean this I, I don't want to say anything untoward but quite often when you dare to express an opinion on either Messi or Ronaldo the most vitriolic responses are not coming from Spain Argentina or Portugal they're coming from much further afield and the real anger if you say, I think Messi's better than Ronaldo, the real anger does not come from the Portuguese or the Spanish. It comes from Indonesia and Malaysia and India and China and Japan. It's, that's, and that's not to say that they're not, that's not all right, they can do what they like, I don't care. But the, that's where the real, the real sort of vitriol comes from. Where, where they're wedded to the player. To the player. Beyond so the club. What that, what that head-to-head battle particularly has done in that context is make the Ballon d'Or seem much more important to an entire yeah. generation of players. Because this technically was my subject, absolutely. Where do Mo Salah, Eden Hazard sit in the grand scheme of things? Where do their futures lie? How important individually are those two? Put it this be? way: because you presume they're both in time are going to leave the clubs that they're at. Could they? Could either of them replace either of Ronaldo or? Or Messi? are they team players? Are they? Does Hazard see himself? As we see with Pogba, does he want to be that superstar individual winning the Ballon d'Or? Does Salah, Salah see himself as a great individual in a, in a great team? He plays in the same position as Messi does at the mm. right-hand side of a front three. So Salah you could is, is as much identical as yeah. you could possibly get yeah. to actually how tactically old, how fill that How old is Mo Salah? 12. No, I think he's older than that. I think yeah. he's 26. Yeah. I can easily check via the wonderful computerial skills you that I have. Are you doing an Ask Jeeves? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just I'm just going bing. on Bing. Twenty five. He will be twenty six during the World Cup. So at the beginning of the World Cup. There's quite an interesting thing, isn't there? With so Messi's just turned thirty. Messi's thirty one this year, isn't he? I can find out using the incredible computorial skills that I have at Use my Goggle. disposal. Goggles, excellent. <laughs> it's funny we know, we know how many Lionel goals Messi they've scored. <laughs> they are. Lionel Messi height is the first. Autocomplete on Google for Lionel Messi. My, my favourite autocomplete is that if you put in convert to, uh, the first one that comes up is Islam, the third one that comes up is Christianity, and the second one that comes up is PDF. <laughs> <Or> centimeters. <laughs> Lionel Messi will be 31 during the World Cup. So Messi's probably got another two or three years at least, at least. in him at least. as as at least a simulacrum of the best player in the world. Ronaldo is a little bit older, so maybe another one or two. Or the, I mean, you wouldn't rule him. The way it's going, the way yeah. it's going, it's crazy. It's impossible to start writing him off. So there's, a, I think there's a generation of players that might be the kind of Prince Charleses, where they're they, waiting. They get like a year, <laughs> and then yeah. somebody else comes along and overtakes them. The other, thi- the other thing is the kind of the Marco Verratti effect. So Verratti is a top-class midfielder, no question. When he was 19 and went to PSG, he was... He, this, this kid's going to be the best midfielder in the world. He's going to be... A lot of players plateau between 19 and 22, even if it's at a hugely elevated level, and they don't quite kick on 
they d players don't develop constantly. They occasionally develop very quickly and then reach an incredible peak and stay there. But whether... Is Hazard likely to get... If Hazard's in the top 15 in the world now, is he likely to get into the top five in the next two years? I don't think he is. 27, Ed well, Hazard. The, the supporting, the supporting evidence to, to Rory's point is that Messi was, uh, was 23, turning 24 before he scored double figures in a Champions League season. So he wasn't doing it really early on. And Ronaldo was 26, 27 before he was consistently putting up big numbers in the Champions League because as everyone knows he didn't score that many Champions League goals for Manchester United in fact I don't think he scored at all in his first 20 odd yeah, took Champions ages to League get off goals the mark, so actually what's most impressive about his goal scoring record is, is how quickly he accelerated once he, he joined Real Madrid and coming back to the players you've mentioned, Mo Salah and Eden Hazard, and in That's terms chinch. of whether... Yes, yes, of course. I'm pointing... No chinch, pronouns. Chinch, no. Chinch no pronouns. knows I'm talking to him. Is that, <laughs> the listeners is, don't. Will those players need to leave the Premier League if they are going to fulfil individual expectations in terms of being the world's very, very best? Is the Premier League a league in which the absolutely super talented can flourish because of course as we saw Ronaldo had to leave to achieve greatness will others look at that example and think that the the intensity of, of the Premier League does not allow for me to to really excel on a consistent basis question about Ronaldo Ronaldo left Manchester United having been essentially a winger and then he was converted to an inverted winger and very rarely in the, the last uh, few uh, well that last season and a half Fergie tried him as a, as a central striker away from home in Europe it's got to the point where he left Real Madrid and he was made the complete focal point of that team, regardless of where he played, to the extent that he was allowed to, to flourish and prosper. Had he stayed longer at Manchester United, would they have found a way to focus on him and make him the, the pivotal point of that team, regardless of the way they played, the other members of that team, in the way that Real Madrid did? Because that might help to answer your question about whether it would help... Yeah. Uh, to go away from the Premier League to prosper in that way because they might have figured out oh, hang on a minute he's so physically imposing he has such incredible talents let's use him in the way that Real Madrid ended up using him because they figured out he, he did beef up didn't he significantly yeah. in his mid-twenties and then further when he left Manchester United so clearly there might have been a point where whoever was in charge at that point was still Fergie for, 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 for a couple more years where he said right I can do this. And he starts scoring. I mean, he scored 42 in one season for, for Manchester United. So he could have scored 50 plus in subsequent seasons if they had used him in a similar way. Well, the, the, the other two things that you'd, you'd say, are one is that there's always been this idea that the Premier League doesn't lend itself to players scoring 40 goals in a season. Which is why 40. everybody's fawning over Mo Salah at the moment. Well, because but Salah, such an Salah, extraordinary thing. the other one who deserves to be mentioned is Kane. That Kane looks like he might, mm. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't say it's ridiculous that Harry Kane might get 50 goals in a Premier League season. It's per, it is perfectly possible. Um, Salah is the other one at the moment. Uh, and the, the other thing I, I just wonder is whether too many of the teams in the Premier League are not conceptually inclined, if that's not too pretentious, to build around one individual superstar. I, I can't see Spurs... They'd be, they'd be quite cautious about that idea. Like, yeah. as you mean, they, they'd see that as, you know, the, the only being an injury away from yeah. the how, yeah, whole house they're actually, going, they're actually going away from that. Yeah. They've got all these great yeah. individuals, Apart but they, they can't rely, they don't want to rely on, if that guy's missing or suspended, what do we do? We've got, our plan is this, and we've got you in the team playing in that position, and you're brilliant. Or we've got two or three of those types of players who are absolutely brilliant. So that's why I was, again, saying there isn't that reliance on the superstar individual. Should we mention Kevin De Bruyne in this conversation? We can mention Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Who? 
Kevin De Bruyne. Who does he play for? Um, uh, some Genk, I think it is. Genk. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Good youth record. Yeah, he, had a, he had a he had a spell at Wolfsburg in Germany. Did yeah. he? Yeah, they're, they're one of the teams just outside the very top Ch- level. In Chelsea tried, but Jose Mourinho didn't like his cult of personality, so binned him off. But, uh, but Kevin De Bruyne is one of one of those players who you mentioned the word transcendental earlier on. I've I've used it um, in front of Manchester City fans, and they're very pleased that I've used it because uh, first of all, they've learned a new word. <laughs> 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 but I think there's something to do with the, the dentist. I'm, I'm, no. I'm only saying that about one Manchester City fan. His name is Danny, so I don't. So therefore, everybody else knew what I was talking about. But also on account of the fact that he genuinely lifts uh, Manchester City. Uh, David Silver is the person who 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 provides Manchester City with their tempo. Everything is constructed around him in terms of how they collectively work. But the person to add that little sprinkle of magic dust is Kevin De Bruyne with his vision, his passing, the fact that he's given licence by Pep Guardiola to try stuff that eight times out of ten won't come off, but when it does, it'll be extraordinary and almost always lead to a goal. This is the kind of player that we're talking about with Ronaldo and Messi, who is genuinely that level above everything around him. But is he destined potentially to be the the Iniesta to a Messi that Manchester City might be able to unearth or might already have that... We accept he is absolutely brilliant, but the the position that he plays in, the role yes, he absolutely. fulfills, absolutely. it's a little bit harder to really be the superstar. He's going to forever team. be third in the Ballon d'Or yeah, rankings. His, 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 <laughs> yeah, but his, that might really suit his, his, his personality. Yeah. He wants to be brilliant, but he doesn't want to be talked about in those terms. He might get more out of him. The, chi- the chin being, being Manchester City. Yeah, team. absolutely. <laughs> but being yes, so that's 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 the difference, isn't it? A player who's willing to, in a way, sacrifice himself for the good of the team, be brilliant, but actually, well, we just won the Champions League. I might have scored the winning goal, but I'm, I'm not. Ronaldo. I don't want to be Ronaldo. I don't want to be Messi. I want to go slightly under the radar, but still be really appreciated. And that and that fits the whole thing that we started of the conversation about it fits the Pep Guardiola mm. mindset ethos that he has a player who is not only brilliant but also capable of working within yeah, the system yeah, and not yeah. letting his ego yeah. or his personality upset the beautiful waves that he tries to propagate amongst his team this will, will not sound entirely serious but I, I do wonder whether there's part of part of it is aesthetic as well that Kevin De, Bru- Kevin De Bruyne very good does not I'm on a one man crusade to try and correct that by the look way. like we think that doesn't have the fa- yeah doesn't have the face of the player we think is the best in the world. I mean, sometimes you confuse him for Alexander Zinchenko. I mean, that's a problem. <laughs> that's not ideal. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, do you? It think- is useful to have a replacement for parts, though. If anything, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the, it's the Wayne Rooney, Paul Scholes effect, isn't it? Be yeah. brilliant, but you're not a supermodel. So, it, and that, but, <laughs> but that that does make a difference to people's perception because football is partly about branding. So, Paul Pogba looks. You know, he's incredibly graceful. He's got kind of crazy hair. He he looks like a. But this is all part the, of the, the racehorse effect. But this yeah. is yeah. it's all it's all manif- not manifest. It's that's it presumably the way he it was. But this is right. Get emojis. Do this. So social media. It is. It's all planned, isn't it? Yeah. And it's all put together. And he actually is thinking, well, just go and play and be brilliant, and we'll and you'll elevate yourself by but doing that. But there's so much there's that so goes much on else, with Pogba yeah. as well. Is that the way? For but, so, but you don't see Kevin De Bruyne. Doing it's the, the same thing. It's the same with Neymar, and there there is. It's not just Pogba. That Neymar has all that kind of. I mean, they had Project Neymar when he was about 14 to kind of maximise his earning, earning potential. And that, that is, if we're talking about the, the rise of the individual within football, that is part of it. So Neymar now is a brand in, in, in and of himself. Diego Torres wrote a brilliant piece in El Pais before the first Real Madrid game about all the special measures PSG have in place to make Neymar happy. So he kind of trains when he wants. He's got he's the, the toys around him, his little sort of cabal of, 
of mate prof- people who professionally Neymar's friends his entourage his entourage <laughs> seriously um, yeah he he for his birthday they threw him this this really sort of stupid party in Paris that went on apparently went on for three days despite the fact that Unai Emery the coach really didn't want them to have a three day party Neymar is being indulged in every way that because is completely unsustainable but you have to wonder about his t- you ha- they must some great play- what do they think how does this well, promote Ad- Adrian Rabiot or do they not care he's the guy that wins the game it's not when it's at Sheffield Wednesday Paolo Di and you actually said you know what we'll run around like idiots you win the game for us yeah. and you kind of you think well, but is that right it's something that you get so used to because they're in your team but it yeah, can't be right that's that's ridiculous it, to behave like that yeah but at the same time if I mean it's not worked obviously PSG went out of the Champions mm. League but if, if Neymar if indulging Neymar gets the best out of him then maybe maybe mm. it's it's valid and it, again it's, it, there's this tension between a bit between the individual and the collective Neymar it's because he is a brand in himself it expects to be treated like that and to go back to what I was saying, part of what makes Neymar a brand is that Neymar Neymar's a good-looking bloke. He's he does all these glamorous fashion shoots. It's really hard to see Kevin De Bruyne do that. No one, <laughs> no one wants a baby-faced ginger model. <laughs> <laughs> Although th- there is a niche. No, <laughs> nobody else is going to be doing. And by the way, just because I was saying Kevin De Bruyne, I need to get this right. It was, it's Alexander Zinchenko, not oh. Alexander Zinchenko. So How long have you been waiting to say that? About a minute and a half. I wanted to say it straight away, but the point that Rory is making was so excellent mm. that I didn't want to interrupt. So instead, I interrupted Steve. Will <laughs> would Real Madrid indulge Neymar in the way that that PSG do, or because of their status just below that very top tier, they realise that that's something they 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 need to do to to bring a player like that to the club? I think. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, well, they have a Neymar, choice. If he Neymar, just turns up with his entourage, that's just the way it is. Neymar, they indulge Neymar, Ronaldo in the same way? Not quite, no, Ronaldo is the ultimate professional, so you don't need to indulge Ronaldo. There was that There was that weird period when Ronaldo kept flying to Morocco to go and see his pal, uh, who was a kickboxer or something, and they got a bit annoyed, I think, with the fact that he'd leave, he'd fly on a private jet from Madrid to Rabat or to Casablanca or wherever, and, and then fly back the next day, and they were a bit like, this isn't, this isn't really great for you, Cristiano. You need to not be flying around. But so they, there are allowances made, but not to the same level that PSG do. But they would indulge Neymar on the pitch. They would build a team that Neymar that allowed Neymar to shine, which is ultimately what he wants. The rest of it, I don't know. I, I don't know whether uh, Real, I'm certain, would not tolerate Neymar just being like, "Well, I'm not don't really fancy training today, lads." I, I'm certain they wouldn't tolerate that. And there would be his agent said in that Diego Torres piece that there is nowhere else that he can live in the same way as he does in Paris. It's the it's a, in that sense, it's the perfect set- setup for him, because he gets everything he wants. But I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of parents around who are saying, if you indulge a child, eventually, it won't necessarily lead to them being the best child. No. But for Paris Saint-Germain, is it about them winning competitions or them having Neymar? It's about which, having which Neymar more, to help them which, win the Champions well, no, League. No, but if they if they can have one or the other, you have Neymar, but you won't necessarily win anything because you have him. He might get you so far, but he won't stay for very long. Well, that but that's that's eventually presumably you'll go to Real Madrid. But are PSG happy just to have him? Whether we win anything, we, we've got Neymar, we've I got think, the next superstar. I think to an extent they probably are. Mm. I think domestically... But, but again, it, it will only last so long as A, he is happy with the situation. And again, if you indulge him, it might be a short amount of time. Yeah. And B, if they don't win the Champions League or continually don't see any inve- return on that investment because the owners want to win the Champions League, then the, the whole the whole point will be moot because he, yeah, he'll go, want to leave anyway. If he goes to Real Madrid, it's not about Real Madrid having Neymar. It's about Real Madrid, uh, Neymar helping Real Madrid win things. That's what he's been, ultimately he'll be brought for. D- domestically, Neymar is the difference between PSG winning a game 3-0 and winning at 6-0. Mm. They'll, they'll dominate in France whether he's in the team or not. Perhaps the lesson that they've learned since his arrival is that signing Neymar is, is absolutely no guarantee of elevating that team to the status of being 
Champions League winners that, that an awful lot more needs to be in place to allow that to happen maybe you know mentioned at the very start Maradona's influence on Napoli to turn them into uh, winners in Italy in the late 80s and, and in 1990 uh, Napoli not a great example because Napoli have got a great team at the moment and actually a world a, a top top player might just turn them into yeah. to winners mm. if if that player were available. But probably the days of being able to bring in a superstar player to to elevate a otherwise relatively yeah. average team that those days are probably gone on. Yeah. Chinch, you were the instigator of this excellent discussion. I'm saying excellent. Hopefully others agree. Are you satisfied with the, the nature of our discourse? Have we actually come... We'd never tend to get come to a conclusion, do we? No, but I feel like when, when people start saying, as we started off by talking about, mm. I feel like once we come full circle, we should probably mm. wrap things up. Well, it's interesting to look at the superstar individuals, the, the next group in the pipeline is that a good thing for football are certain coaches that's an interesting thing coaches like Klopp and Guardiola who are completely going the other way and saying we, we can't be reliant on these people this is the way we want to be in charge of our team how we play our formation or a Zidane way of, of just kind of keeping the plate spinning and just letting the players go out and, and do their own thing but that's the instance just with those two eventually in maybe five years time moving away even though we'll have superstar players will they be more of a team player as well. They have to be more of a team player to play for the most successful sides in Europe. So it's been fascinating, chaps. Thank you immensely. We'll wait another 70 pods before I come up with uh, with more content for you. <laughs> 70 would be wishful thinking. However, you have delivered on an almost weekly basis, uh, Chinch, something that every single week we look forward to and we spool we? forward until this point uh, to listen to. Hector's woken up for this bit. Hector indeed is one of those fans of A Soccer Story. It is time for Nevermind Jack and Oi. What a soccer story. This is when Andy tells us a tale from his playing days with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. This is just, a, it, it, there's nothing libelous about this at all but I played for 17 years and when I was at Everton Joe Roy Willie Donaghy we did an awful lot of, of coaching we actually coached in terms of how you play for the team and, and how you play individually apart from that there wasn't it seems a strange thing to say there wasn't an awful lot of individual coaching but one guy that did do some work with me and it was probably one of the most embarrassing sessions one-on-one -on -one sessions I've ever done was with Glenn Hoddle with England. Do you remember when England played out in Italy and they needed a draw do, to yeah. qualify yeah, for the 98 yeah. World Cup? Yeah. It was in, I think, October 97. I'd been injured, had a cruciate injury, but it was my first... I was reintroduced to the lads, you know, got back into the squad after a serious knee injury. Played no part in Italy whatsoever. <laughs> Just picked up all the dirty kit and all that type of stuff and helped the, uh, helped the physio. Lovely trip, though. Great trip. Did you have to help bandage Paul Ince's head? Paul Ince's head, that was the thing, with the blood all that. Anyway, so... I basically went along for the trip. They reintroduced me into the squad. And Glenn, because at that time, England were playing three centre-halves and wing-backs. And I played brilliantly uh, as, as a left wing-back. But Glenn was saying, for my uh, international longevity, he thought it might be an idea if you learn maybe how to play in a back three. And I, I yep. played it brilliantly again against Cameroon when we beat them 2-0. <laughs> I think I touched the ball at least three times. <clears throat> so he said, but what we really need to do is work on your right foot. And I thought, hold on a minute, I'm 30 years old. I've never kicked the ball with my right foot in 15 or 16 years. Have you not seen me play ever? And he said, well, if we do this, you know, you're more balanced. I said, yes, I understand all this. He said, come on, me and you will go out onto the pitch and we'll do a bit of kicking with your right foot. And I just thought, please, because you know Glenn Hoddle, even when he was English, what is, he was brilliant with both feet. You just get the ball down, ping, 60 yards. So he had, he had me on the edge of the penalty area and he was like on the halfway line or just beyond. 
and he was like gunning balls into me. <laughs> and then exp I, I, my hips don't work in a way that may enable me to kick balls long distance with my right foot. I can pass it over maybe. Are you the same? You, you've got a predominant foot, haven't you? Which you can yeah, pass you it. Can't yeah. kick, you can't. Rory can't kick the ball with his right but foot either. If, if with <laughs> your bad yeah. foot, if All you said, <laughs> right, pass it ten yards side foot yeah, on along the yeah. floor, I could do that. I might be intimidated by Glenn Hold to extend that. I might fail. I was intimidated by having to kick it with my right foot. Not the fact you've got Glenn Hoddle at the other end of the ball. But so he was pinging them into me, and then say, you know, just get the ball out of your feet, and just you know, just old Daisy Cutter into me. And they keep, what are you talking about? My cut. And it was honestly, the balls were going everywhere. Everywhere. You know, he had those big bag of balls that he put down next to him and he'd get one and he'd ping it into me. And I'd try and play it back. My and they were going everywhere because I can't kick it. I said, with my outside of my left foot, I could drop it on a sixpence because I've done that throughout my career. Why would you ask me at 30 years old to try, yeah. to try something? I'm English. When did There's no way this is going to work. When but it's just that from going from 10, anything beyond 10 yards, having to clip. If you'd video, it would be oh, laugh, so laughable. It would be untrue. How did, this, how did the session conclude? It just died a natural death. <laughs> After about Glenn four. Huddle. Glenn Huddle Glenn, saying, all right then. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What I'll do is get Paul Ince to come short and you just pass it to him <laughs> and let him. But that's what happens in international football anyway. Teams don't play with two up front who are going to come close in. I don't need to use my right foot, you daft man. Just let me pass it to someone in midfield because the opposition are on the halfway line anyway. But it was about half an hour. The weather was, I was getting a tan, so it was a lovely weather. <laughs> but he is, it, it's, it's different if you've got maybe someone throwing because they're not natural footballers but Glenn Hoddle he was saying this is how you do it yes I know how you can do it why don't you come and do it for me because I can't <laughs> do it so it was oh but it kind of the distances got bigger and bigger and it was like well yeah oh, that's great 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 right can you just clip a ball into me then do the daisy I don't have any options I can't kick it that far have you ever I'll have to show you one day in a video it is it's to be so comfortable on one side of your body and then so incredibly bad there is a video that exists is there is there? I hope to God there isn't, because it was one of the most... It, it, but normally, and it would have been worse, actually one-on-one -on -one was probably better, because at least there's no one else to yeah. witness this thing. So watching. good on Glenn <laughs> to try and... But he's talking about elongating my international... I think I probably played one more game, because <laughs> then he got sacked, didn't he? And then yeah. clearly another England manager is going to say, what on earth is this dog egg doing in the well, team? Get him so out. So this was in Italy, right? It was in Italy, So yeah, was, yeah. was there an next-door garden that you had to keep on going <laughs> the next-door neighbours to get the balls back? Was, where was, I'll have to find out where it was. It was, it was a fantastic... Fantastic place, and the, it, obviously training pitches, but it was just me and him. And that, yeah, if, if I had to do it with like players around you, it people would have just been, it would have been 10 times worse. If you've got Scholes and Beckham just watching you make a complete fool of yourself. But I just said, well, why can't I just pass it with the outside? This is what I can do with the outside of my left foot. I can do that quite comfortably. Why would you want me to? It's just so unnatural. But at least he tried. Good on yeah, him. At good least on him he tried. But it simply didn't work. I wonder whether Glenn is still carrying the mental scars of that particular <laughs> session. I wonder how many passes that went awry before he thought, I wonder this what guy is yeah. awful. He'll have made a huge error. Awful? He'll, he'll, have, he'll have walked out thinking, oh, he did something really bad on the right side <laughs> of his previous life. <laughs> Uh, we should end it there because there is four different types of cake waiting for us. Uh, do get in touch at setpiecemenu or setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Please do subscribe, share, rate and review. Incidentally, some iTunes reviews would be most heartily appreciated. So do get involved and do give us five stars and words to support them too. I did get a very complimentary personal review at uh, Bramall Lane the other night. Uh, Sheffield United against Cardiff and... Uh, one of our regular contributors often contributes uh, some good ideas as well. Don Booth came over to say hello, so thank you. Oh, that's really nice. I thought it was going to be Jan Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Jan, 
We will stay together, I promise, as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you to Steve, Rory and Andy, uh, and to you all for listening. Thank you for Steve's wonderful gifts that he had, four for the price of three at the NHL store in New York City. We'll be back with another set piece many for you to enjoy very soon indeed. I didn't realise it's got Gretzky on the back. Exactly. That was was, was the specific one you asked for, Yeah, it it? was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've only just noticed I'm a small, so Steve, for that compliment, thank you very much. Yeah, but you're a small in American size. (laughs) How many, are, are there low Loads and loads and loads of these type of t-shirts for all the different. Is there, yeah, yeah. Is there loads to choose from? Yeah, these, all, these are magnificent. I got a very very specific list with pictures from Rory like of what he wanted. I like to help, uh, but uh, only two of the actual. Uh, in fact, you, I think you wanted a name on the back of your, your well, no, Colorado it, Avalanche the, the, one as well. Didn't the you? name was it was a uh, but Rory, but I, I, I got as close it, as I could for you, Steve. You've done you've done above and beyond. Did you bring any gifts back for anybody else? Or is it just us? Uh, we bought gifts back for the kids. Oh right, okay. What, 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 basically, were they what, as good as these? What, what they get from the basically, the uh, I bought gifts back for the five uh, boys <laughs> who give me the greatest hassle in my life. That makes Is there sense. any decent shopping in New York, or a bit of a struggle to find? <laughs> I don't know. There's not much. There's not a great deal of space there for no. a chinch, and it's very chaotic the way it's laid out. Mm. So it's quite well, like all really higgledy piggledy. Yeah. Higgledy. So it's really. I think it's difficult for those big brands to really establish right, yeah. themselves in in the city. You know, yeah. maybe maybe if they could get some town planning sorted out, yeah. some yeah. development. Well, it sounds then, like yeah. it's got a really it's tough It's not Milton Keynes, well, it's doing its best. If, if you're a planner. Get out to New York City. Sounds like there is an area ripe for engagement. Throw in a retail park, you'll be fine. Yeah.